Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have a packed show for you today. We are going to get you caught up with what's popping. We're going to review Eddie Murphy's brand new movie on Netflix, Dolomite Is My Name. And since it's Halloween, or it's almost Halloween, we're going to give you our top five Halloween candies. Let's do it. is my name and popping popcorn is my game kirk doolin is my name and breckin breakfast is my game <laughs> breckin breakfast breckin <laughs> breakfast that doesn't that's not even words <laughs> okay thank you for joining us for another episode of popcorn for breakfast um wow every week you know every week kirk i think to myself how can we be dumber than we were last week? And I always think this is not possible. That was far and away. Whatever antics we did on the last episode, I'm like, that is far and away the dumbest thing we will ever do on this show. <laughs> and yet, every week, we find something dumber. Achievement unlocked. Yeah, achievement unlocked. You've now done the dumbest thing you could possibly <laughs> do. I don't know. I think it goes I think it goes this, British accents. Ooh, yeah. And I don't know what else. Oh, maybe uh, singing the Lion King song is definitely up there. Top three right there. We should do a top five cold (laughs) opens for the show. (laughs) Top five dumb popcorn for breakfast antics. Yes. We'll do that at the end of the year. I love it. It'll be one of our year-end shows. Anyway, welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. This is our 16th episode, Kirk. That's that's right. Sweet 16. That's amazing. It's also um, the Halloween special, and... By that, I mean that it's almost Halloween and we have nothing special planned for this episode because of <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> so I'm just using that as an advertising ploy. Yes. Um, we are doing top five Halloween candies, though. That's that's where the Halloween comes into play. And this one, it's I'm nervous about it. Because there's hot takes galore, don't you think? I mean, I people are pretty – like, people will die on the hill for their Halloween candy. I mean, even just when we were talking in the open – Mm-hmm. I saw a blog in which one of my favorite candies was called out as being one of the top 10 worst. Mm-hmm. And I was like very much offended by it. I don't really know how you rank candy. Um, I mean, right? there's some bad candy out there, but, but yeah, you're right. There's, there's not like, there's not like top 10 worst candies. There's just bad candies and then there's good candies Yeah, and you can rank the good candies. I mean, that's it's, but I mean, it's one of those things that changes. Yeah. Like, like Bitto Honey is like the worst candy. What even is that? I don't know. I just remember it being like melted on in the back seat of my dad's car oh, yeah. when I was growing up and I picked it up and I ate it. Mm. <laughs> Maybe that's why I thought it was yeah, bad. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Bitto Honey, if you're a Bitto Honey fan, I want you to tell me why you think it's good because I yeah. don't believe you. Yeah, I mean, I just think every halloween there's certain candies you're digging through the bag for you know you got your pillowcase at least for me it was always a pillowcase you got your pillowcase you get home you smack that thing on the dining room table you're digging through you're like where are the fruities where are the fruities where are the fruities that's right that was me i just wanted the fruities but Mm -hmm. um are you giving away some of your top no no i i mean there's there's plenty there's plenty to go around um so yeah we'll get into top five halloween candies 
as you could tell by our infinitely dumb intro, <laughs> we watched Dolomite Is My Name. Um, Eddie Murphy is back. He's here. He's alive. He's still acting. Are we going to get a real award season where Eddie Murphy and Adam Sandler are nominated? Is that going to happen? I hope so. That would be kind of awesome. I don't know if that's like a sign of the apocalypse or something, but it's some it's something like that. I don't. It's one of those things. It's like, do you remember on the office when Kevin was like, if anybody gives you, I don't forget what he says, like a thousand to one odds on anything, you take it. Yeah. If John Mellencamp ever wins an Oscar, I'm gonna be a very rich man. <laughs> yeah, that's like one of those things. I don't think anybody could have guessed that we might possibly be in that situation. It's pretty crazy. I mean, th- there's been, this is a stronger year. For the film industry, there have been some duds. Very strong. Very previous years. Like last year, it was just like a wash of oh, I know. Oscars. But this year, it's going to be a bloodbath for nominations. I know. I'm I'm already like, I could give you 10 now that I feel like would be worthy. Yeah. Like films. And there are so many that have yet to be released to the general public. I know. I know. Uncut Gems, Little Women. Um, there's lots. Lots and lots. Oh, um, Terminator uh, Dark Fate. We should see Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger, best supporting. Yeah. Um, bombshell. Mm-hmm. And back to, back to real ones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a fun year. I think we picked a good year to start a movie podcast because it's, it's pretty lit so far. Good point. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's the show that we've got for you. We've also got What's Poppin', obviously, so we'll dig into that in a bit. I have to tell you this wild story. Wh- well, okay. What happened? Well, so this is different from the guy dropping money in the street story. That's Th- what I'm prepared for. Yeah, I mean, like that. I don't think it's as crazy, but I do think it's weirder, potentially. Mm. So on my way here, I went to go get gasoline. Okay. Not gas. From gasoline. The, from the petrol station. <laughs> um, okay. And, okay, so when you're at the gas station, they have um, those little squeegee things. Mm-hmm. And they're in, they're like attached to the wall and the squeegees in the thing. Yep. And the little, the water, the cleaning dipper. That's right. That's right. So, um, there was a woman there who was in a car. Her car door was open. She was parked. She was getting gas. Okay. Okay. Her car door was open. I could see in her car that there was a large garbage bag next to her in the passenger seat. Mm -hmm. So question number one. There are always people driving with garbage. Have you ever heard the Jim Gaffigan bit about that? No. He's like, people who take, there's always like people with garbage in their car. He's like, I don't even take out the trash, much less take it for a ride. <laughs> and that's that's what was going on here. Garbage bag full, tied in the passenger seat. Unacceptable. Okay. She's walking all around the parking lot of the gas station. And I'm keeping an eye on her because I'm like, this is very shifty material. Mm-hmm. Like, this is very shifty behavior. And then, back to the squeegee things, she goes to each one. I think there's um, maybe like four of them, maybe 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 more. She takes a picture of all of them, the squeegees, okay? I watch her do this because she came to the one right next to me, and I was like, what is she doing on her phone? She's taking a photo of the squeegees, each one individually, <laughs> while, they're, while the thing is inside the bucket of water. Okay. She gets in her car. She leaves. No. Yes. Yes, Kirk. She got gas. She walked a circle around the parking lot. Then she went squeegee by squeegee, took a picture, and rolled out with her bag of garbage in her passenger seat. couple things. First of all, 
was she was she getting gas or was she just parked there no no gas attached so it's a good it's a good question i cannot confirm okay that she was getting gas but she was in the bay okay gotcha gotcha psa when you get gas all of your doors should be closed your car should be off true otherwise your cars potentially can potentially blow up yeah i think it's a low percentage chance but Mm -hmm. it is it is true safety Mm -hmm. first yes so first of all she wasn't practicing good safety no, and she was getting gas. And it's more likely to happen in the colder weather. Yes. And it's starting to get a little chilly around here. Correct. So that was a questionable decision. You're right. Second question of many more. What did this lady look like? Was she dressed professionally? Was she in casual no, clothes? No, she, she so she was she was dressed per, she was dressed casually. Okay. She was wearing a completely solid t shirt. Okay. Which is to me, it was like teal. So it's not like she works at Target or something. Like this was just a solid teal shirt, mm-hmm. which to me is a little weird. Am I am I alone on that? Like I wore a solid T-shirt the other day, and I was like, I feel like I'm kind of a weirdo for just wearing well, a solid T. Did it have a pocket? No, no pocket. See, it should have a pocket. There needs to be some extra depth to yeah. the shirt here. Yeah, yeah. It was it was concerning. So the whole thing was very odd, and she was she was not just walking circles around the parking lot. She was like. Was she but, frantic? No, she was just kind of like looking for something, but not like looking for something like on the ground, just okay. like looking around, you know, <laughs> but not like in a, I'm on my toes kind of way. Yeah. Just like a taking it all in. Next question. Did she get close to each of these squeegee things or was she like trying to sneakily snap these? Photos? No, no. She, she was not being discreet. She okay. was like probably three feet away from them. she, would square right up to him and take the photo. Yeah. So huh. I'm trying to piece this all together. No, there's no logic, Kirk. There's no, <laughs> I've trust me. I've been thinking about it for the last two hours and yeah. I just can't, I, I have no idea. Yeah. Unless like she is like either is in the middle of a lawsuit because the squeegee like attacked her or broke her windshield and she's it's, like, okay. That, that seems somewhat doable. Yeah. Or she's planning to get a lawsuit you know, she's like making plans where the, the squeegee things weren't as they should be. She's like, oh, this is how they should be taking pictures. But yours was like this, you know, like hit her in the head and she slipped on the squeegee water, maybe. Could be. And bashed her head in the concrete. I don't know. Right. I just, and the trash, th- none of this makes sense. Yeah. I mean, driving with your trash is a red flag for sure. Yes. It's a big red flag. So I don't know. I, I mostly just wanted to throw it out to the, to the world because if anyone has an idea for what could have possibly been happening here, I would like to know. It will help me sleep at night Yes. because the fact that this person exists, a person who wanders around gas station parking lots taking pictures of squeegees, yeah. it's disturbing. I, I don't want to live in a world where that's <laughs> happening, Kirk. I feel like moments like this is where writers get their creativity muse from like they're like this makes no sense let's dive in let's make this a whole storyline why she has the trash why that's that's what i think that this is going to be someone's going to listen to this podcast and create a short film or a feature length film with this oh it's like when we almost created a movie last week when we were talking about leslie odom jr and how he has a voice that can turn zombies back into people precisely that's a good one so this moment right here yeah um dibs we have the rights to this i was gonna say don't we own the intellectual property exactly if not like what do i have to do do i just just say copyright or something copyright 2019 sold yeah okay good <laughs> Whew. <laughs> that, that was a close one okay while we're throwing movie ideas out there yeah whenever we used to work whenever you and i worked in the hotels together yeah there was a folder that i found one time when i was really bored and it was labeled the crisis papers which i was like yes. that's awesome 
Um, it was not nearly as cool as I thought. It was just like contingency plans for like emergencies and things like that. Yep. But here was my movie idea. It's sort of like, um, have you ever seen that movie All is Lost with Robert Redford? I have not. Okay. Okay. So in that movie, Robert Redford is by himself on a yacht and he's in a big storm and he's trying to survive. You don't, you know, very little about him, etc. My movie idea for the crisis papers, the movie's going to be called the crisis papers. Absolutely. Normal guy shows up to work at a hotel. It's like December. So there's no one there. No one. He gets bored. He pulls out the folder as he starts reading each crisis. He, it starts happening. Oh, yeah. That's wonderful. And then he has to use the crisis papers to, you know, like survive. survive. Right. Oh, I love it. You know, there's not many movies out there about hotels. Like specifically. Yes. Tons of movies take place at hotels. Mm-hmm. The Shining. The Shining, yeah. The Graduate. Yeah. Even Wes Anderson's um The Grand Budapest. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's not really about the hotel. But there's a lot of hotel elements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're never about specifically the inner workings of the hotel. Yeah, I always thought that like there could be a really good um, office type show. Yes. Like a mockumentary sitcom type thing in a hotel because you have a whole cast of characters. You've got um, the housekeepers. You've got the maintenance people. Mm-hmm. You've got the manager. You've got the breakfast person. You've got like all these different characters. You have an endless supply of new characters with new guests that are traveling. Yeah, and everybody has their own different motives. Yes. You know, I thought it would be really funny. Well, I love the Crisis Papers. Yeah, let's pitch it somewhere. Copyright 2019 again on that one, <laughs> um, and also on the hotel mockumentary idea we just threw out there. Yes. So, there we go. Um, all right, let's get into what's popping. We still need a sound effect. I know. For now, actually, I'm just going to hold off getting a sound effect so I can make you do that every single week. Frantically. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's what's popping. Got to go. <laughs> That's my your, your face every time is like just horror. You're like, no. <laughs> um, okay. As we were recording this episode, last, last week's episode, there was a new Star Wars trailer debuting on ESPN Monday Night Football. Okay. It is the final trailer for The Rise of Skywalker, meaning it is the final trailer for the Skywalker saga that we will ever see. First of all, I'm horrified that that's a real thing. Makes me very sad. Which we thought years and years ago that we would never see these films. It's true. I know. I, I know. I'm. It's one of those things. It's like you, you're like, oh man, if I could just have three more films, mm-hmm. I'd never ask for anything again. I would never, I would never want for more. And then it happens, and you're like, please, more! <laughs> Don't let it go. That's how. That's how it is. Yeah, it's it's definitely a a, a big pill to swallow. Yeah, and I want to make sure that we chat about this one because there's a lot of things going on, and and there are some themes that are starting to to uh, mount in these trailers if you like watch them all together. Mm-hmm. So first, first thing I want to talk to you about, something's going on with C-3PO, okay? Mm-hmm. Something seemingly major is going on for C-3PO because there was – the internet went into hysteria after I think it was trailer number two where they showed the red-eyed C-3PO. Right. And everybody was like, whoa, 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 what's going on with this? And then in this trailer, like right after the music peaks – they drop it all out to like almost nothing. I think just strings, and um, Poe Dameron looks at C three PO and he's like, 
hey, 3PO, like, what's going on or something like that? He's like, I'm just taking one last look at my friends. Mm-hmm. So, like, what is happening? Yeah. Is he is he going to have to, like, sacrifice his life or something like that? That's what I think about. It's either that or it's the Toy Story 3 moment where they're all holding hands like they're all going to die or they think they're all going to oh, die. Oh, like, this is the end. Yes. Yeah. But I can totally see a sacrificial C-3PO and it would be devastating but, but also, it would be kind of cool, right? Yeah, because C-3PO has been there from the beginning. Yes, and he's the ultimate, like, it's almost like his ultimate destiny, mm-hmm. if you think about it. Like, he was created by Anakin to serve, mm-hmm. and he's done such an amazing job throughout everything, to the point that he's still around and still being used, you know? And so maybe maybe that's, like, the end game for him. I would be totally happy with that. Uh, sad, but... It yeah, would make such a good final story arc for him. I know, but then what would happen to R2, man? Oh, man. Poor R2 would be so alone. It's BB-8? Oh, yeah, it's true. It's true. He takes care of him. He's man, now the mentor to I, BB-8. I, yeah, it's good. It's a good point. I, uh, It's kind of looking like a C-3PO's story arc is gonzo. I agree. I'm worried about that. That's okay. A big, that's a big point coming up. How are we feeling about Raylo? Do we? Th- is that what we're calling it? Raylo? Raylo? Uh, I mean, I, you can't call it like Kyrie or something like that. Do we think that this is, what, what do we think is going to happen in this? You know, someone pointed out online, which I thought was very fair at the poster art between force awakens, um, last Jedi and this one. Okay. I like where this is going. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Force awakens has a lot of blue in it. Mm -hmm. Blue lightsaber. It's exciting. It's this lightsaber of good. Force Awakens, basically all, I mean, sorry, Last Last Jedi, Jedi, all red, just covered in red. Right. This one, they're both clashing, but Mm -hmm. it does look like blue is slightly overpowering the red of the lightsaber in the poster. Oh. So they almost look like they're merging as well. So that's that's Is it purple? It's not purple. Oh, okay. So it's not merging. (laughs) Fair. I would have liked it to be purple. That'd be pretty cool. Then maybe Mace Windu resurrects himself and comes back. Dude, <laughs> they would win back all Star Wars trolls out there if Mace Windu returned. We never got enough of him. We never see him die, Kirk. I know. Now, I mean, he did have his arm chopped off and he was zapped out the window and thrown into oncoming traffic. So, But, it's, but so, he is a Jedi Knight and debatably the most powerful Jedi Knight. Right. I mean, Emperor Palpatine got thrown off into the ship's hole. Oh, and he's back. No one's ever really gone is what they say in the trailer. That's right. Oh. What if everyone who we've never seen their on-screen death yes, is back? They're back. I mean, who who was it? Um, um, Darth Maul. Well, Darth Maul. Chopped in half. Right. He's back. Yeah. I could see Mace Windu coming back. Mace Windu could be back. So that, that's a big, the big point is, you know, light and darkness, obviously. The force, the dark side. Do you consider, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Force Awakens, mm-hmm. do you consider Han Solo's death as being on screen? I do. Okay, fair. I do. You think he was dead before he fell? I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no coming back from that, I think. Unless you're Emperor Palpatine, in which case you get <laughs> thrown down the main shaft of the Death Star and some, or, well, we don't know if he's, uh, we don't know if he's embodied. Right. <laughs> so there's that. So many questions on that. I don't know. I, I can I can see. So from this, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is a little crackly today from all the crazy weather changes. Yes. I can see I can see the, the trend of we have all light, we have all darkness. Now we have them battling each other. But I, I truly think 
that the good guys are going to come out on top. There was lots of questions of, of people thinking that evil was going to reign and that's how the saga was going to end. I just don't see that happening. Would be interesting though. It would be. I mean, I think I think if that was the way that it was going to go, Darth Vader wouldn't have turned to the light side before he met his demise. Mm-hmm. But they could they could like Professor Snape us here and be like Look, Kylo was fighting for good the whole time. I mean, that was a theory that was going around for a while there. Yes, that he's like a double agent. Kylo and Han had some sort of understanding that Han had to die in order for Kylo to be accepted by Snoke and now Sidious, I guess. I don't know. There I mean there's there's obviously fan theories galore. Yeah. But do you think that do you think that Kylo and Rey will end up together at the end of this at, like in the aftermath here? That part's so difficult. Because I still don't know if they're related or not. Yeah, so it's a good point. It's 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 very very possible. I would almost say it's probable that they're related, mm-hmm. but they've spent so much time on this relationship that it can't just be nothing. And also, Ray has to not be just some like rando orphan. No, you know that's not possible. So well, I hope it's not possible. Yeah. She, so unless she's connected to Obi Wan's family his lineage yeah then i could see them being together because he's just you know not on the the skywalker clan sure yeah i uh man there's so much to dissect with this i know and what's concerning to me is that we do get our longest runtime so um rise of skywalker is the longest skywalker saga star wars movie ever at two hours and 35 minutes Mm -hmm. but lots of ground to cover there seems like because we, we just have a lot of questions that need answered. I'm not satisfied with Finn's story arc yet. I'm not satisfied really with Poe's story arc yet. We get a nugget in at the end of The Last Jedi of that little kid like using the Force to pull a mop to him. Like That felt significant in a lot of ways. Yep. We need to, yeah, we need we need lots of answers. Obviously, like Leia is still around, and her story needs to be wrapped up. Um. Obi-Wan was talking to Rey at some point through the force. Like he was using, he directed her to the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There, there's a lot, a lot of open ends going here. Yeah. I feel like they, they're just going to come out guns a blazing with tying it up in the first half of it. And then if I was directing the movie and then at the, and then they're going to trail off into the final action and path to um, defeating the first order. Yes. That's probably what the structure will be. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, J.J. Abrams is the is just a master deceiver and just a uh, master storyteller. So he could probably just do that the opposite, and I'd still be happy. Yeah, I'm expecting some big twist. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm expecting some gigantic, enormous twist, and I don't know what it'll be. But I'm everyone interested. was dead the whole time. Yeah, it's all a dream. <laughs> it's all a dream. Uh, this is just Bruce Willis taking a two-hour nap on his couch somewhere. Yes. <laughs> and all these people, all these dead people were just entertaining themselves, That's walking right. around him. Yeah. That, he breaks the news to them. That would be pretty horrible. <laughs> but, be. hey, if you want to find out what happens with Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, you can do so with us yeah. on December 19th, which is opening night. And you can do that by going to Facebook.com checking out our page and subscribe and uh marketing yourself is going to that event and buying some tickets it's super simple the post is pinned to our our page uh, it's right at the top when you look under posts and you click that button it automatically asks you how many 
tickets you need and then it's ready to take your payment just yeah. like that it's gonna be a great time you you are gonna want to be there it's gonna be a lot of fun there we will be do you don't have to worry you know how last week you said your zombie land crowd sucked yes you don't have to worry man our theater's gonna be fuego we're mm. probably gonna bring the the hype horn and every time something crazy happens just be like mm, 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 you absolutely know, just like just go off yeah flicker the lights i don't know if they give us control of the lights but we should <laughs> i don't know we need to just really get the energy up if you see me and cam leave the space it's because we went to the light booth to yeah. turn to control the lights yeah to just really like get it flashing <laughs> that'd be great but for real you should join us it'll be a great time um next what's popping news more star wars more star wars bring it the obi-wan kenobi series with ewan mcgregor who by the way side note people are raving about dr sleep good they are saying kirk that it is the best multiple people that i read said this the best stephen king adaptation since the shawshank redemption which wow that's an all-time great movie and they're saying that ewan mcgregor carries it and is incredible yes which i was like duh he's amazing (laughs) it's gonna be great as soon as he was cast for it i was jumping up and down yeah I was scared a little. I'm still scared. I'm, oh, I'm, horrified. I'm nervous about this movie, mm. but I'm glad that it's getting great reviews. I'm glad that Ewan McGregor is getting all the accolades because he's been great from day one. It's true. It's true. And you could tell, you could kind of tell in the trailer that he's good in it. You know, you could kind of tell that he like brought it. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a side note. I'm his, so excited. His show, the Obi-Wan Kenobi, the untitled Obi-Wan Kenobi series, we're getting six episodes. Mm-hmm. I assume they're hour long. Did they say hour long? I yes. assume I assume it's hour long. Yes. So that's something. I assume it's one season, which I'll I'll continue to complain about that forever, mm-hmm. because we have 19 years to cover. 19 to get us from, you know, Revenge of the Sith to old Ben Kenobi in the woods scaring off, you know, Tusken Raiders and Jawas and stuff yes. like that. Like, so six episodes seems like a lot of ground to cover. But you and McGregor said today when asked that this was originally planned to be a feature film, mm-hmm. which would be, so this is tough because there's give and take certain things are just really good in movie form. I think when you look at this on the surface, it feels like a great movie, but we technically get more content from the show because it's six hour long episodes. Maybe, maybe, Maybe we get more content, but when you when you lay out something episodically, you tell the story differently than when, when you would just on the big screen. It's fair, because you have to have each episode has to set up the next episode. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's so, fair. So, undoubtedly, it will be good, because it's Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan again. He's never failed us, except for the one line, which wasn't his fault. Not the younglings. Yeah. Worst that, line ever. It, 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 yeah, <laughs> it was bad. They really set him up for failure there. Yes. I know. There was no there was no hope in executing that well, even for Ewan McGregor. No. But the there's there's just such a, a a wonderful feeling with these with these movies as films instead of T V series. Now, we may feel differently when we see the Mandalorian. Yeah, which is getting rave reviews. Have you been reading those? A little bit, yeah. Oh, <laughs> dude. They're describing it as like a neo-noir western, and I'm like, oh, man, all of those words make me so happy. <laughs> yes, so as as long as they can structure it the right way, like you said, 19 years to cover, 
maybe every two episodes is X amount of years, and we're going to get there within the six episodes. Or Oh, maybe... I would be down with that. Yeah. Like right? some time jumps in between there. Exactly. I'm cool with that. Are I'm you... also cool with them just hyper-focusing in on like one yes. pivotal stretch of time that, that because they have to tell us. Now, I mean, we know a little bit that, when Obi-Wan shows up and drops off Luke and drops off Leia with the Organa family, that he's bouncing after that, mm-hmm. you know, because it's gone south. He knows that he's pretty much like the last last man standing for the most part. and He's got to get out of there and lay low for a little while. But we still, I mean, there's still a big difference between the Obi-Wan that we're left in, left with in Revenge of the Sith and who we get in A New Hope. And so... I would be cool with it being a short time period as long as it's like a def um like a really definitive point in his life that yes. shows us kind of what went down. And I would hope that in some way it ties back to the Empire and the Rebellion. It yes. Has to, right? Because, it has to be significant. Otherwise, yeah. what's the point of telling the story? Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm stoked still. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. I can't wait. Um, okay. Shifting gears to something that's not Star Wars related. Okay. Rachel Weiss, I believe it's Rachel Weiss or Rachel Weiss, um, of the favorite fame, is going to be playing Elizabeth Taylor in a new biopic titled A Special Relationship. And what's interesting about this, you know, you think about, you think Elizabeth Taylor, you think about eight marriages, married the same person twice, you know, had these like very torrid and, infamous affairs and all these different things. Yes. Um, That's not what the movie is going to focus on. The movie is focusing on her charitable efforts and her activism around AIDS um, and some of the work that she did there. And it's like meant to paint her in a light that's very different from what people think of when they think of Elizabeth Taylor. Um, What are your thoughts on that? That's an interesting angle for sure, because Obviously, they'll have to also uh, merge her film life in there. Yeah, I mean, her personal life is a big part of like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's you can't avoid it. I could see them, yeah, taking you know whatever whatever project, whatever um uh, civil project she was working on, and merging it with the movie she was working on, or close to the same time, and making them make sense, like the the duality of that and how yeah. they're paired together, like Cleopatra and whatever, and who's afraid of Virginia Woolf and whatever. Right, right. That'd be pretty neat. I'd be down for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about this. I I, mean, I think right away it sounded interesting, and the fact that they're taking a I'm, – I'm assuming they're taking this angle for a very thoughtful reason, and they have a very interesting story to tell. So, I mean, I'm all in. I really enjoyed Rachel Weisz in The Favorite. I thought she was just phenomenal. Dude, she is incredible in, yeah. in anything she does. I mean, way back to her and Brendan Fraser in The Mummy – yeah, I mean, that was good. The first Mummy movie is great. She's she's incredible. And if you haven't also seen this movie that kind of snuck under the radar, it's called Denial. Oh, I have not seen that. It's got, what's the guy in Harry Potter who he, he gets turned into a rat for a number of years? He's, he's, he's a, oh, Peter Pettigrew. Damn, he's in it too. Yeah. yeah. What's his real name though? I always forget. Um, you pull that up while I find out this the plot of, well, I tell you the plot of Denial. So Denial, uh, based on a true story where... There were all of these, the Holocaust um, deniers, you know, they were saying that didn't happen. There's no way it happened. I can prove it didn't happen. Well, Rachel Weiss comes in hot 
and says, you're absolutely wrong. It did happen. And she, has, she just like blows them out of the water. Um, and they actually travel to Auschwitz and they, 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 she takes care of business and puts this guy, Peter Pettigrew, what's his name? Timothy Spall. Timothy Spall. He's, he is the token ugly person in every movie. Yes, he is. That's yes, like, is. like, I mean, not trying to be rude. They literally cast him that way. And he knows it. Yeah. And he's, Maybe he's probably fine with it. He's got a career out of it. I mean, dude, if I could make money, they're just like, hey, you're ugly. Do you want to be in my movie? I'd be like, yeah. No, I mean, that's like no diss to him. He's obviously a very good actor. He but, is. But hey, man, if, you're, if your looks can get you some monies one way or the other, yes. I'm here for it. But you got that That movie is incredible. It was on Amazon Prime for a long time, and it's, it's, really, it's really moving. It'll yeah. get you for yeah. sure. And obviously she wins because that was real. So, yes, yeah. that was very real. Yeah, she is pretty good. I'm I'm excited about this. Definitely, I don't feel like I know that much about Elizabeth Taylor, and I feel like what I do know is the stuff that everybody knows. So yes. a chance to, like, whenever I heard that it was, they were taking a different approach with it, that kind of made my, my ears perk up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll, that'll be very interesting. I'm here for it. Okay, next one. And this is just wacky supreme. Okay, Jane Fonda, Jane Fonda, accepts accepted her BAFTA award. Yep. Okay, no, no news there, right, Kirk? Uh, except sense. for she did it. She did so while being arrested, put into handcuffs, and taken to the back of a police car. Oh my god! With Sam Waterston, because they were protesting climate change uh, legislation in D.C. So there you go. Lots were, of questions there. Yeah, lots going on there, but it was pretty awesome. The video we should we'll post it later tonight. She was like to the bat like to BAFTA, so sorry I couldn't be there. It's an incredible honor. As she's literally wearing handcuffs. It's like an all time boss move. <laughs> yeah, pretty baller. And then you're thinking, how how is she accepting this? Like they must have came to her because they knew that they couldn't reach her. They needed to give her her award. Yeah, and I'm I, like, well, she's on camera. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I think she just I think she just knew. Like I think she knew that she was going to be videotaped yeah. getting arrested cuz she's Jane Fonda. Right. And so she was like, "Well, I'll just use this opportunity to accept my award because it's my only ch- it's going to be my only chance in front of a camera today." Right. She's going to um, be you know, incarcerated just for a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, just a total total power move. Power moves only. I mean, pretty cool. Like pretty cool that like first of all, Regardless of your political beliefs, I feel like um, most people criticize actors for like talking a lot of talk when it comes to politics and not yes. like walking the walk. If you're getting arrested for protesting in D.C., like you're you're walking the walk. Yes. <laughs> so while accepting your acting award, yeah, like, that's pretty boss. You did it. Congratulations, yeah. Jane Fonda. You proved everyone else wrong. You know. Yeah, and Sam Waterston. That was the funniest thing. Just first of all, thinking about Sam Waterston getting arrested was hilarious. Yes, I laughed about that for about thirty minutes, and I was like, "Where is the video?" I tried to find the video of him getting arrested. I couldn't find it. I was like, "Dang it!" He had it deleted from the internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, because you know he was just a total goober about it. Okay, but I had to bring up that one because that's just wild time. So we'll post that on social tonight, and you guys will be able to see it by tomorrow when this comes out. Mm -hmm. Okay, last one. The countdown is on, Kirk. What's today? Today is the 28th. In four days, we will have Apple TV Plus. Four days. That's soon. That's very soon. We're here. We made it. I feel like... When we started this podcast, there were so many things that were coming soon, and we're finally soon. <laughs> Did we know 
Did we know about Apple TV Plus? No, we didn't. I don't think we did. But no, that's what that's what I'm saying. That's what's so crazy. Like it came we've this is episode 16, so it's been like 16 or 17 weeks. Yeah. And in that span of time like it came and is here. Yes. <laughs> like boom done. Yeah, I I don't get it. It's uh, it's out of nowhere and uh, four days. I need to get my subscription in place. You already have yours. I do. Because you do. got a new Apple product. I did. I got the phone with the three cameras. Or it's the War of the Worlds phone because in, in War of the Worlds, they have the tripods. Yes. And that's what that's what's going on here. I like that. They should have named it that, the World, War of the Worlds phone. Yeah, I mean, I named it that. So <laughs> that's it's just as good as if they had, I think. Missed opportunity. <laughs> so anyway, Apple TV is here. And there are there are four big shows that we're launching with, okay? The Morning Show. This is the Reese Witherspoon, uh, Steve Carell, Jennifer Aniston show. Mm-hmm. Dickinson, which is the... Uh, what's her name? Haley Steinfeld. Hey, man, I lost it. Just <laughs> flew right out of my brain. Haley Steinfeld, who I love, by the way. Um, and Wiz Khalifa. Yes. That's right. <laughs> um, top billing. Wiz Khalifa, everyone. Um, for All Mankind which is like some sort of space show. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then C, which of course is the Jason Momoa, Mo, Jason Momoa. Mm-hmm. Everyone's blind except for my children's show. Yes. And everybody wants to kill my children because they're not blind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those four shows have been given out to critics to watch, ourselves included. No, not <laughs> not really. I, I wish. I wish every day. But – They've been they've been put out there. And the reviews are not great, Kirk. Really? So, see we kind of knew that was bad, right? Yeah, that's that makes sense. And I'm not just going to judge it by a few critics reviews, but it's not looking like it's a very good show. Okay? That one's less surprising. We the, all knew. The morning show though. Even Rotten Tomatoes just had their scores, early scores come out for the morning show and it was at 57%. Ouch. With Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, and Steve Carell. That's not good. How do you mess that up? You have all the ingredients of a perfect show, I would yeah, argue. Yeah, everybody who has like big-time television and film experience. Mm-hmm. All good actors with the right program. Mm-hmm. And and yet, it's looking like that one's not, not living up to expectations. Um, Dickinson and For All Mankind, which I think were probably the two most questionable out of the shows, seemingly, um, are, are a little bit better as far as like what I've seen, but overall, man, it's not like, it's not like what's happening with Disney plus. I feel like with Disney plus everything I read about the Mandalorian, about all the new shows that are coming to Disney plus is like, people are going to love this slam dunks. Yeah. And that's not, that was not at all. I was reading all of the review roundups this morning on Apple TV Plus, and it's not looking good. And see, this is why we've talked about this before. We think that Apple Plus should just buy someone, like Netflix. Buy Netflix out. Mm-hmm. Have all their contact be like this merged studio streaming platform. And you have their creativity and their foundation and their expertise. And now they're just a part of the Apple branding. Yeah, because Netflix Netflix continues to churn out content. It doesn't have to be Netflix, obviously, but yeah. just like somebody who somebody who's got it figured out, right? Because this is it. It even felt at the um, do they still call it Apple Keynote? Yes. Okay. It even felt at the keynote last month or whatever. Like there was some significant 
flailing going on by Apple that mm-hmm. they were just like, look, it's Jason Momoa. Everybody loves that guy. Here's this weird show with him. Yeah. And then it was like, even I mean, even the morning show was obvious, like, we're trying to catch headlines. Let's go spend some money on some people that people like. Um, yeah. And there was always in the back of my head, like, this may not go well, and it's kind of looking like that may be the case. But again, we got four days. We'll check it out when it goes on. Um, I'm still most excited for Dickinson. I think that's been the show outside of the morning show, which I'm now like, I don't right. know. That's that's making me kind of sad. But Dickinson was the one that I really wanted to check out. So um should be interesting. Yeah, it's the most interesting part is that it seemed like the morning show was their flagship show. Yeah, I think it was the first thing that they ever showed anybody. Right. People knew about this before it was ever announced that Apple TV Plus was coming. Like we knew right. years ago that right. Jennifer, I think Jennifer Aniston broke the news like, oh yeah, I'm filming for Apple right now. And we're like, what? Like years ago. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this should have been carefully constructed and executed. And it sounds like it has not been. Yeah. And I mean, we've, we've talked about the streaming wars at length and we will continue to do that. But one thing's for sure, like you can't slip. Mm-mm. There's no slipping up. And I know that Apple's Apple's coming in at a low price point. So maybe they're like, Hey, our content doesn't have to be that good, but I mean, I—I I mean, at least the way I feel like, if you watch the way consumers behave with all this stuff, if it's not good, nobody's nobody's watching. It doesn't matter how much it costs; they're they're not going to pay for it. They'll cancel their subscription. It's five dollars so, back in their pocket. Yeah, it's not like they don't have other options for entertainment. Mm-hmm. There's there's plenty out there. So something to keep an eye on. Just just I mean, we're four days away here now. I mean, it's Friday. I can't wait. I'm excited for it. Um, I'm gonna be jumping in there right away to watch all these shows, but. Something to keep an eye on. Yes. For sure. All right. And that brings us to Dolomite Is My Name, mm-hmm. which is just a very stylish movie. Um, Dolomite is such a fun character. I'm excited to dive into this one. Whose turn is it to go on Tweet Synopsis? I think it's yours. Well, we did two reviews last time. Oh, gosh. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I think I went first on Zombieland. Did so I? That would be me. I think it's you. Because we went Gemini, man, zombie land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. All right, it's me. Unless you want me to go first, I don't know. I'll go first. Okay, go ahead. Rudy Ray Moore is the definition of entrepreneur. This self-made comedian, singer, actor, film producer changed the scope of entertainment in the 1970s and influenced dozens of careers in the industry today. Based on, based on a true story, I'm reading too fast, we watch his rise to fame in this account of the defining moment of his career, the invention of Dolomite. That's awesome. Thank you. Can you tweet that? Are you are you questioning my character count? Uh, I don't know, Kirk. I don't know. We might have to break out the ruler mm. after this and measure, measure it out. Okay. okay. It could be. I don't know. I will say that I did not check it no i mean yours i'm looking at it now i'm looking over at it on the paper yeah i think you're probably good i'm gonna write it out through the rest of this episode and i'll let you know okay well let's recap and then we have to decide we have to decide what your what is the penalty for that we just have to forget the last sentence we have to erase it from our brain or something like that okay oh i decided i decided on something (laughs) that was quick i decided on something um you remember the other day whenever i was like Whenever I was like, Joaquin Phoenix is gonna win Best Actor. Yes. Um, and I said I said that I would put some weight behind that. Yes. I feel like I'm ready to do that, Kirk. 
feel like I'm ready to put some weight behind that. What are you going to do? I think if Joaquin, I shouldn't say I think. Joaquin Phoenix is going to win Best Actor at the Academy Awards. (laughs) And if he does not, I will get a small tattoo of an Academy Award statue. Somewhere not visible. That's big. Yeah. Of of the Oscar. Of the Oscar. I will. Wow. Yep. Do you have any tattoos? No. But I'm planning I'm planning on getting one here soon of Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle tattoo. Uh-huh. That's the plan. Yeah. So I'm just diving headlong in. I mean, it's this is the safest bet I've ever made. Oh man. Don't you think? I mean it should be the safest bet. However, I think it's a guaranteed win. Strange things have happened at the Oscars. I know, but he has to win, right? He has to win. Well, at very least, maybe we'll get some publicity out of it. And you, I'm going to come when you get your tattoo installed. <laughs> what you say? Yeah, installed. I think that's the correct terminology. <laughs> small though, Kirk. Small little guy. Yeah. I don't know where yet. Hmm. On your bicep. Yeah, perhaps. like at the top of your bicep, like right by your shoulder. Yeah, and then I'll just look like a huge loser. They'll be like, "Who? Like, did you win an Academy Award?" Like, no. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix didn't either. <laughs> you know, you should do it. You should do it. Like, I don't know how badly this hurts. I imagine tremendously, uh, like the Wakandans, like inner part of your lip. Oh goodness gracious! <laughs> Tattoo number one. Oh yeah, I'll put that inside my mouth, please. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. <laughs> Now, I'm going to pick somewhere that's definitely not painful, um, yes. generally. So, if you, have, if you have had a tattoo, let us know where the easiest place to put a tattoo is. Yeah, that's the wager. Maybe I can Photoshop an Oscar statue onto a picture of me. Maybe I can put it on my face or something, and we can see what it looks like. Ooh, yeah. yeah. What about, like, right on your nose? That'd be <clears> cool. That would be cool, because it's <laughs> nice and long. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to say it. I'll say it. I'll do it, too. I ain't scared. <laughs> I'm not scared. I'm not afraid of no ghosts, Kirk. I love it. Yeah, let's go. Okay. That was quite a um tangent, but my tweet synopsis. <clears throat> Rudy Ray Moore is a middle-aged bombastic dreamer who will stop at nothing to become a star. He adopts a character by the name of Dolomite and along with his friends fights and claws for one last chance at fame and fortune. Okay, all the buzzwords in there. Yeah, lots of uh, trite expressions in there. Bombastic? Yeah, that was my word. I was like, I got to have a good word. I didn't have a word. Thank you. You did well. No, I thought you did have a word. Mm, Entrepreneur? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good word, but it's not like like that uncommon. Yeah, there's no buzzwords. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's okay. That's okay. Um, So, yeah, basically, Rudy Raymore is this, like, guy who's, well, I mean, I would say well past his prime generally, yes. you know, like he, he's been wanting to be a star since day one. He's working in a record shop. He's like, he's gotta be a star. He mm-hmm. has to be, he's a singer. He's a writer. He's a comedian. You know, he's, he gets this idea for a character and he starts to get a little bit of traction and he just decides that like, I'm writing it out with this character no matter what. Like, this is my shot. This is the closest I've ever been to anything and I'm just going for it. And that's basically where this movie takes us yeah he pushes all of his chips in and he doesn't he can't turn back he um he he burns the ships if you will and yeah man it's 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 great to watch yeah for sure um let's jump into and the oscar goes to okay who you got this is a simple one mr eddie murphy himself Mm -hmm. i mean we haven't seen eddie murphy 
put on a performance like this in quite some time. Let's just be real here. If ever. If ever, indeed. I can't remember the last time where I said, you know what? He did a really good job there. <laughs> I mean, he's always had us laughing in the in the 80s and early Oh, 90s. he's hilarious. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, a real, like, a real character built around and uh, a pretty good mimic representation of the original actor slash comedian slash film producer slash whatever Rudy Moore. I, I really thought that this was the perfect balance of Eddie Murphy and him attempting to be someone else. His character building, it was pretty fascinating. I saw the original Dolomite film. Oh, you did? Several weeks ago. That's like, awesome. I think I watched it right after I knew this was coming out. When the first Oh, I feel, trailer... like, I feel like you told me that on this podcast. Yes. Yeah. I think that's right. And so I watched it as soon as possible. I thought it was a riot. It was really fun. and It's just way out there, right? It's way out there. Yeah. It's way out there. Because Rudy Ray Moore, at his core, is an entertainer. And presumably nothing like what he portrays on film and on all of his records. He seems like a, a pretty just normal guy just trying to make people laugh and smile, but nothing like he, how he's portrayed whatever he speaks. So Eddie Murphy, um, I just was really impressed with him. And uh, it, it, there couldn't have been more perfect casting. I agree. This. I agree. Yeah. And so I, I picked Eddie Murphy. I know we've had a couple in a row where, We've agreed on the top, you know, the top acting award. But you know, when you're doing, um, when you're doing biopics and when you're doing movies where the title character, you know, movies that have a title character in the name of the movie, like if the movie is good, it's gonna by default be that person, right? Because they're the mm-hmm. one, they're the driving force. And this this movie is no exception to that. Um, biopics are not easy for a lot of reasons. I think that. In some ways, people might think that there might be a little bit of ease in portraying someone who was a real person that you can look back to versus creating your own character. But I would say that you can come up with all kinds of ways to justify how you create your own character and how you play that character. Whereas when you're playing someone in a biopic and you have to be true to them, you I mean, you have to do it right. And there's no there's no creative license. There's nothing like that. Like you're portraying a person and it needs to be accurate. Um, Eddie Murphy did a phenomenal job. I was not familiar with Rudy Ray Moore heading into this. I knew of him. I had never seen any of his movies, so I didn't know how he acted. But at the end of the movie, they show some clips of the Dolomite film. Um, I went through YouTube and pulled up a bunch of Rudy Ray Moore. And I mean, could not have been more spot on. Yes. Um, I think what's cool about this too, is that you read back about like how Eddie Murphy came to be, you know, like his, his, uh, one of his parents was an amateur comedian, but had like a day job. And I think that in a lot of ways, Eddie Murphy has lived with Rudy Raymore, whether it be one of his parents or himself, you know, he was an aspiring comedian before he, you know, hit the big ticket. And I think Mm -hmm. he more than anyone understands that if the right person, here's what you have to say and likes it, you can go as far as you need to go. And so I felt like some of this just felt really personal and really intimate. Like he was just reaching down within himself and finding this rather than channeling Rudy Ray Moore. And I thought that all of that put together led to a really, really good performance. I thought that same thing while watching it because Eddie Murphy is a producer on this film. Yeah. And the the whole shtick is that he is putting it all on the line to create this movie of this character because he thinks this is what will win big with audiences. He thinks that this is what the people want to see. It's his 
it, it's it's just what ah, I don't know. There's so many. There's so much to it. It's just I I can't describe more how I felt. Wow, that's a lot like Eddie Murphy's life. Right yeah, now exactly. As I watched the film. So, yeah. Spot on. Yeah, I think that was definitely part of the reason that he was able to just key in and hit on areas of this character that you just have to live in order to be able to portray it accurately. Indeed. Okay, let's jump into Scene Stealer. Really, really good supporting cast, right? This was better, a better supporting cast. I, I have like six people in mind when I went to Scene Oh, for Stealer. sure, for sure. Yeah, who'd you, who'd you end up landing on? I landed on Divine Joy Randolph. Oh, man, she was so good. Yes, after a little bit Queen more... Queen Bee. Queen Bee. After a little bit more digging, I found... Um, that she comes from Broadway, which I should have known. Yeah. A couple of years ago, uh, a movie to Broadway adaptation came out, Ghost the Musical. Yeah. And she was in that. She even got a Tony nomination for it. Holy cow. So, And yes, she does sing a little bit in Dolomite Is My Name. Oh, she's got a beautiful voice. I thought that every scene she was in, she had such control of her character. And this would be someone... The, the actress that she was portraying, I she was in a lot of Rudy Ray Moore's films, but I would say that was a little less in the spotlight than Rudy Ray Moore because he's got a big personality. And I was very impressed with how she carried this character and, and how she um, helped support um, Dolomite, uh, Rudy Ray Moore, and how she helped really shape him because she saw his potential and she had so much to give as well. It was really awesome just seeing her come to light in these scenes. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever you start to think back um, on this movie, there isn't, there aren't too many themes or like core messages that they're trying to get across. Really, I don't, I don't feel like, um, especially not in a very overt way. Yes. But most of the ones that they really do try to leave you with, like the messages that they do try to plant in your head, are they revolve around this character? They revolve around Queen Bee. And I think that's because um, she was able to portray the character in such a good way that felt real and that people could relate to. Mm-hmm. And so they used her as kind of a vehicle for carrying some of those important themes so that, um, you know, we it just makes sure that it was, like, brought home. Yeah. So I thought yeah. she was great. And she, they supported each other so well. Not that um, Rudy Ray Moore's uh, persona needed it because he was going to do what he wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. Not in like a bossy way, but just like a determined way, which was mm-hmm. very, a very unique way to tell his yeah, story. Yeah. They both pushed each other. Yeah. Yeah. Which was cool. And even though he never really got um, discouraged, she would always propel him to the next step of what he needed to get accomplished. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was really um, an interesting an interesting story and a really good character and it, and it needed a good performance. So she knocked it out of the park. Who you got? I got Wesley Snipes. Yes. I was so excited to see him in this movie. Um, responsible for some of my, my favorites from back in the day, most notably blade. Mm-hmm. Um, really? He plays a, he plays a real life person. Um, whose name I am blanking on at the moment. Derville. Oh yeah. Derville Martin. Sorry. He plays Derville Martin and he really got to show his range. Yes. Derville Martin is very much not what you would think Wesley Snipes. You know, I think Wesley Snipes is very much typecast Mm -hmm. as like a very like rough and tumble tough guy. And Derville Martin is like the way opposite side of that spectrum. Just like such a, he's a, he's very Hollywood. He's very much a diva. Yes. And he's looking out for number one at all costs. And, um, 
I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was really incredible and I really enjoyed seeing him in that, you know, in that light and just getting a Wesley Snipes performance that I felt was different than anything I had seen before. And I love it. I mean, I love whenever somebody gets cast in a role and you're like, Oh, that's who, that's who they went with for this. It's so interesting. And then especially, you know, Wesley Snipes is like, you know, he's been around for a while. So for him to be still like broadening his horizons and trying to do new things, um, it was really cool. And I think um, one of the things that I really like about this whole cast, whenever you start to read about it is each of the people in this cast were touched in some way by Rudy Ray Moore and his impact on comedy, music, pop culture. Um, and most of them wanted to be in the film because they knew so much about him and they had a personal connection and that just made it really click. Indeed. Yeah. And Wesley Snipes obviously is no exception. Yeah. When he came on the screen, cause I had seen the movie and recently the original Dolomite, I was like, what him? Yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> and like 10 seconds after he started talking, I was all for it because he totally just flipped a switch and proved that he is more the, than just an action star. And I would be really just excited to see him in some more roles that put him outside of his comfort zone or what Hollywood yeah. thinks is his comfort zone. I totally agree. I mean, I, you know, Eddie Murphy does a fantastic job of uh, his imitation and nod to Rudy Ray Moore. But Wesley Snipes, when he imitates the performance of the actual Derville Martin in the first film Dolomite, it's spot on. Yeah, it's it, you could you could barely tell them apart. It's so good. that's so awesome. Yeah, I I was really blown away, and I I thought the same thing. I was like, we need we need more of this. This is great. Um, all right, let's go into Showstopper. Mm-hmm. This is a really cool production. So I'll I'll be interested to hear what you kind of like singled in on. So my favorite part was when they recreated the scenes from the original movie. Yeah, for sure. Thought they did a spectacular job. The costumes were identical, which that's difficult to do to be able to just rewatch the film as a, as a costume designer, rewatch the film and uh, recreate everything that was there. Because I doubt that most of those still exist. I doubt that those were some of the original costumes Um, and seeing those uh, come to life and seeing them portray this very B movie was fantastic. Yeah. You know, from the set, from the clothing and from the actual acting performances with how they were acted in that film from a bunch of people who had not acted that much. <laughs> right. So Showstopper for me has to be the recreation of those inside the film within a film. Yeah, yeah, I liked that. It's it's a complicated thing to do, right? Having a film within a film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's uh, I was thinking about it whenever I was watching it last night. Like, that's sort of a difficult thing to do because you're, in a lot of ways, like you're lighting for a film and you're also like filming yourself lighting for a film i don't know there's there's a lot of moving parts there and whenever you start to break it down it's like man level difficulty on that's pretty high Mm -hmm. and plus you have to keep it interesting i don't know i thought it was i thought it was very very interesting and i thought that they did a good job um similar ilk but different mine my showstopper was the set design yes because they have to cover a ton of ground here they have to cover from when he's working in the record store and kind of like slumming it in in a way like hanging out with some of the homeless people that are there. They have to go through all of these like small clubs that he, you know, does. And then all the way into doing, you know, the move, like filming this movie Dolomite. And so there was like a wide variety 
of different sets that they had to design. They had this really cool old Dunbar hotel yeah. um, that they filmed a lot of the movie in and it was awesome. I didn't, I didn't see much in the trivia about like the history on that hotel or anything like that, but man, was that really cool. Um, and overall, I just thought that the subtle authenticity of it all is what made it work. You know, it didn't, I don't know. Sometimes when you see people do like the 1970s in particular, there are certain areas that people do where they sometimes overdo it or over glamorize it or like cart, like, I don't know, like make it cartoony or like over stylize it. Mm -hmm. Because whenever you think of those eras, there's certain themes and colors and things that come to mind. But I always feel like that just feels artificial. Yes. And it's, 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 the reason that people do that is because it's not an easy thing to do to replicate an era. And in this one, I thought it was subtle. I thought it felt very real and I thought it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. The level of difficulty for all the sets is uh, bravo. Cause there were probably at least like 10 different clubs they went through throughout the montages and they had that giant Dunbar hotel and yeah, it's, it's impressive for sure. Yeah. Um, let's jump into director shoes. What would you have changed about this movie? You know, I don't, it was hard to pick apart this movie because once you start, you're on it for the ride of, of is he going to do it? How is he going to do it? And how he's doing it, you know, his determination, but not bossy, not mean, not rude. One of the coolest things, and I hope this is true, is that Rudy Ray Moore, at least from this depiction of the film, never goes through any kind of substance abuse or mm-hmm. alcohol abuse in his rise to fame because mainly because he was probably past that phase in his life when he got there. So that's a possibility. I feel like we see that a lot in young stars when they get yeah. managed by other people or when the fame becomes too and much. And during that era, whenever there was less awareness of that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, it's pretty surprising. So that that was really that was really interesting to me about, about how we're, where we just traveled along this rise to his fame. So if I had to change something about this movie, I would definitely um, kind of pick apart the beginning so we have a really excellent intro scene, and there's uh, it's shot really well. It's very creative. And then we go through like 10 to 15 minutes of trying to give all the threads for the rest of the movie, and it's very messy. And mm-hmm. I definitely lost interest during that time. I had to rewatch it a couple of times. Thank goodness it was it's on Netflix, so I was able to rewind. And I'm like, okay, uh, all right, I'm, I'm there now. Uh, it was just really choppy and just jumped too much. So for those 10 or 15 minutes, it, it, I just wanted it to be cleaner. And then it sails all the way past there. And then I would also say that there are moments where they're trying to um, convey just how obscene Rudy, uh, Rudy Ray Moore's content was in his act. And I feel like sometimes it was just a little too much where yeah. they weren't necessarily pulling from his uh, original pieces and work. They were just trying to get it out there, like maybe a new version of it, but trying to force it into that 70s era. Trying to era. be provocative for the sake of being provocative. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, you can feel that a little bit. Like there are scenes that you're like, okay, what is this really? Like what plot is this really? What plot point is this driving? Like we know that he's outrageous. We can tell by the comedy that he does, you know, the language that he uses that, you know, he's very much a provocateur and someone who uses vulgar language to elicit reactions from people and things like that. But there were times where it just felt off color a little bit. Yeah. I I think that's fair. Um, 
I think that sometimes you do get a messier beginning with biopics, especially when someone is in love with the character that they're or the person that they're writing about, because life is messy for sure. And so sometimes you get that you almost want them to like you want them to be true, but you also want it to be cinema. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you want it to be nice and clean and like tell a consistent story. And you're you're 100 percent right that like it takes a little bit before you get into the smooth sailing of the, of this movie, which I mean, it does turn into a pretty well-oiled production mm. about 45 minutes in. They've got to be able to find a way though, to finesse that beginning because it's a, it's a trend. It's an epidemic when they're doing all of these biopics and we know there's more and more coming. Mm-hmm. So they got to fix it. Yeah. Because... It's, it's, it's a fair criticism for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my director's shoes. I would have liked for more messaging and more, more done thematically in this movie. I felt that um, they kind of stopped short and ended up just telling the story of Rudy Ray Moore, which is fine. Um, and they, they do a good job with it. There's no doubt about that, but I'm almost left at the end with like this guy, you know, Rudy Ray Moore, the reason we know his name and the reason he's a success story is just because he's obsessed with being a celebrity. Like his whole reason was he wanted to be a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think that there's a different story there. I feel like there's more messaging there and they do a little bit with queen B's character. They show how compassionate he is and how he can push someone to go outside their comfort zone and really put themselves out there. But there, and, and that's not to say that there are no like themes or messages in this movie. I just wish they had given us a little bit more and had told us how, like had left us with something that's significant and something that, because Rudy Ray Moore has a massive legacy. He impacted, you know, they go on to talk about how at the end he impacted film, TV, music, you know, modern rap music, modern stand-up comedy, all these things, huge, huge, huge impact. But, at the end you're kind of left with like okay that was a cool story about this guy mm-hmm. not like and and obviously it's because he was tenacious and all of that but i'm just saying like there should be some sort of message of like here is why rudy ray moore was the way that he was and here was this massive impact that he had on the world agreed and yeah. you should feel that before you get text on screen at the end of the movie talking about how big of an impact he was cuz you know when you read that you're like Oh, okay, cool. I guess that kind of makes sense, but you don't really see that in the movie. Mm-hmm. You're just seeing his story. Yeah, there's definitely one poignant moment where it lands on like his perseverance through it all, and you're like, okay, here's here's where we're getting it, and then they kind of move on. <laughs> so. Yeah, and like and like, is that the newest? Is that like a fresh story? Like, try hard and you'll succeed. No, no, it's not. Every entrepreneur in the world put everything on the line at some point Mm -hmm. everything you have to to be an to be a successful entrepreneur you have to put everything on the line so like rudy ray moore doing that alone not not all that impressive to me and not all that new of an idea or all that new of a story but he did more than that and they didn't dig into this film that he was an innovator and they only show glimpses of that you know Mm -hmm. he was he wasn't just like some guy who had crazy ideas. He was changing the landscape of entertainment. Yes. And I wish that they we could feel the magnitude of that a little bit more. Yeah. So a more unique take on 
perseverance community because he was chasing after being a celebrity, but then he wanted to take, then he found that he really liked taking care of his friends right? and new people that he met and meeting the people that supported his dream and his vision. So lots of opportunities, but yeah, um, I felt they played it safe a little bit. Yeah. And I think to be that Oscar award winning movie, you have to have a really strong message and one that's new one that's, unique and one that's pretty powerful i didn't feel like this this movie gave us that agreed okay let's score this thing what you got it's difficult it's difficult to score this um all things considered i think you could you could watch it several times um but it's not something that i is my go-to just like that so with that i give it a 6.2 okay out yeah of 10 yeah i um i really liked this movie um yeah, I wish they would have taken some more chances. I wish they would have told us a. I wish they would have left us with a really compe- compelling message. Um, but I thought the acting performances were really good. Uh, viewer discretion is definitely advised. Not one that you want to watch with the kids. Not one that you want to watch uh, on an airplane or while at work. There's uh, there's um, some suggestive material. So keep that in mind mm-hmm. uh, whenever you're choosing the next family movie night. Um, all told. I'm going to give it an 8.2. Okay. I think that it I think that it will get some accolades come award season. I don't know what shape that will take. Um but I thought that by the end of the movie you're left with a really good story if nothing else. I wish they had gone farther, but the story that they told was solid and um it it I mean we hadn't heard much about Rudy Ray Moore, so you have to give them credit for that, for, for choosing this kind of unsung hero. Those are the kind of people who really deserve biopics, I feel like. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. So that's what I'll, I'll leave it at, 8.2. There we are. All right, and now the moment we've been waiting for. I'm very nervous about this. Top five Halloween candies. Oh, yeah. I will go first, and I want to give a big old disclaimer here, Kirk, before we jump in. Okay. I... I think I've said it on this podcast. I have a I have a chocolate intolerance. Yes, you do. I'm not allergic to chocolate because I found out you can't be allergic to chocolate after I've been telling everyone I'm allergic to chocolate for the first 25 years of my life. <laughs> um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but I have a chocolate intolerance, and so for that reason, I eat very little chocolate. And so I don't want to hear like I don't want to hear any noise from the haters about my lack of chocolatey picks. Okay, you're not alone. There's other people out there that don't like chocolate. Yeah. Either just don't like chocolate or also cannot tolerate it. Right. They live out there too. They're, yeah, they're, uh, yeah, that's right. You will be found. We saw, oh, we saw, um, we saw Dear Evan Hansen. Um, Kirk and I and our, and our wives saw Dear Evan Hansen at the Fox this week or last week. And holy crap, was that good? If that, if that tour rolls through your town, find yourself a way to get there. Yes. It was, incredible i've been listening to that show for a long time and never expected it to be as good as it was i think it got overshadowed by hamilton's amazingness and it in its own right is also amazing yeah it's the la la land moonlight thing yeah that we talked about before yeah and what's what's so different about this one is in hamilton you know what you're getting and it's fantastic it's a great ride you from start to finish you get the whole narrative in dear evan hansen you don't get the whole narrative because there's far much more um dialogue in that in that uh show and when all the pieces get connected wow yes it will blow your socks off very powerful very powerful so that was the you will be found reference that i made there Mm -hmm. i'm not alone 
You're not. I'm not. Uh, none of us. Okay. Top five Halloween candies. Number five. I am going with Laffy Taffy. Shake that Laffy Taffy. Yeah. I, <laughs> oh, wow. That's quite a reference. Um, now, Laffy Taffy, not the best tasting candy in the world. Oh, hold on. Now, some of them are good. I would just say, like, if you'd stack all the flavors up next to each other. Oh, see, I don't. I only eat the red one. See, see, that, no, I'm talking about the full <laughs> portfolio, Kirk. You have to think it Mm-mm. in aggregates. No, nope, okay? red and pink. That's all I want. I like the green ones. Um, I don't like the banana. I used to like the banana. I don't like it anymore. But what Laffy Taffy really gives you, at the end of the night, when you're when you're just buzzing off sugar, you're bouncing off the walls. It's got dad jokes galore. Yes, and you can just just laugh and laugh and laugh for the end of the night. And that's why I think it's a great Halloween candy because it's the perfect way to end your night is with some ridiculous Laffy Taffy jokes. Dad jokes and also great jokes for toddlers. Like my son, I can read any joke off those and he will crack up. Oh, dead. Yes. Yeah, dead. It's, yeah, that's great. That's Laffy exactly Taffy. what you need. Great pick. You're number five. <clears throat> I'm going with the Starburst 2-pack. But more importantly, mm. the fave red Starburst 2-pack. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a good call. Because like I just said, red and pink. Red man. and pink all day. Red and pink. And I'll take any uh, just alternate universe of, of red and pink. So you've got the tropical. Orange is uh, orange is underrated. I just want to say that. Now, that must be where Asher, my son, gets it. He loves orange. Yeah, orange is good. He gets it from you, Uncle Cam. Yeah, could be. Starburst two-pack favorite. I mean, I could eat those all day long. You know what? The other day, I stole some of my son's candy from a different Halloween event. Good parenting there. Thank you. <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't a favorite, but I'm like, you know, there usually is a red or a pink in here. I got two yellows. Youch. <laughs> it's like I lost the lottery. Yeah, that's bad. That's really bad. It was terrible. It's like uh, seeing a black cat walk across the street. Like that does not happen. Right. It was pretty unreal. Yeesh. Okay. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's some bad juju there. I'm going with number four. I am choosing, remember, not a big chocolate guy, Reese's Cups. Okay. So this, this should speak volumes to Reese's Cups that I'm willing to risk being violently ill <laughs> and puking my guts out just to eat them because they are delicious. There's the thin chocolate shell. I prefer the bite-sized ones that are still individually wrapped, not these Reese's minis that come in the the zipper bag and are all hanging out there loose and melting into each other. Yeah, no. None of that. Individually wrapped, okay? The minis, though. I mean, like the the bite-sized ones. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. The ratio of peanut butter to chocolate in those is just perfection. It is. It's Mm. just... It is as good as it gets, and you... I mean, I think a lot of times when you go to houses that have those, you get like six because they're small. And like the person just grabs a handful and throws them in your bag. And so you're getting a good bang for your buck too there. Yeah, because they feel that they have to give you more because they're so tiny. Right. But they're jokes on them because you are getting so much richness in your you life. Are. You're, getting, you're getting a really dense, good snack there. Mm-hmm. So Reese's Cups. Reese's Cups. Beautiful choice. Number four for me. Fun Dip. Okay, good one. I love me some Fun Dip. I eat Fun Dip as an adult, and I don't care. <laughs> wow. Yeah, just live your truth, man. Again, I mean, just go for it. If it's in my son's candy bag and he has several of them, I'm taking at least two. Yeah, <laughs> certainly. So good. 
Um, the worst part about fun dip though is when that's the freaking stick stick like breaks off and you have to like use the little half nub or quarter nub trying to scoop the rest of the sugar into your mouth. That's the worst. No, that's when you just uh, just open the mouth of the powder <laughs> up and you just tilt your head back and throw it back there. No, that's just that's just savage. Yeah, it's just anarchy. That's that's what you do. That's the end of the night. That's you, you're covered with fun dip powder. Your parents are like, "Oh God, what's happened?" <laughs> it's it's covering your costume that you had on as well. <laughs> yeah, you're passed out on the living room floor. Charlie Brown, the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown's on the TV. It's game over. It like looks like a crime scene in there. Like, what's happened? Yeah. Um, okay, so you stole my number three because oh. I I wanted fun dip as well, but this is good. Fun dip. The thing about fun dip, mm-hmm. it's huge. If yes. you get a full fun dip, like the one with multiple the three pack? Yeah. You get all three flavors. It's that is substantial. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a good get. And I can tell you, I I would say every Halloween I encountered at least one of those. Oh yeah. And every time I was like jackpot. <laughs> yes. Um I feel like today kids are getting shorted on that because since like our childhood, when our childhood you only had the full pack. That was it. Now they have individual packs with individual scooper sticks. Yeah, and I feel like you're getting two snacks in one because the stick is edible. It's pretty and good delicious. Yeah. yeah, and but it, it's you prolong the snacking experience because you get to dip over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's like the baby bottle pop. Oh, it's a baby bottle pop, baby bottle pop. Yep, I love baby bottle. They're pop. so good. That's not a Halloween candy because no one's gonna buy those and put them in your. Oh, Halloween. if they did though. That everybody be hitting that house, oh, every single person with the, with the baby bottle pop. So that's my number three fun dip. Fun dip. My number three. Snickers fun size. Mm-hmm. I knew that was going to make an appearance. That's a classic. There was a time in my life that I ate a Snickers, a full Snickers bar, every single day. Wow! <laughs> Holy smokes! Every single day. I had a discount. I was working at the Gateway Arch, and I had a discount on candy. And you're just going for it, living the absolute dream every single day. And then, and then my wife found out, <laughs> and she said, "Hey, sweetie, you you should you should cut back on those." Because you're, you're like wrong. This is. I knew that this wasn't going to work out. This so sorry. We're done. Oh, because. Uh, uh, you know, when you have a, a like a fifty percent discount off candy, and you get it every day, well, then it just turns into a regular, a regular discount. A regular oh, purchase. certainly, any anything can become a habit. It it was hard to break that habit. That's uh, and I knew that fun size Snickers was going to make an appearance. It's like such such an um, it's like the most American choice. It's like baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and a fun size Snickers. <laughs> yes, you know, <laughs> it's just I knew it was going to be there. So that's a good choice. All right. Number two, oh, we're getting down to it, Kirk. We're getting down this is to going it. Quick. Okay. Number two, anybody who knows about this one is a real OG, and you you uh, trick or treat in a pretty lit neighborhood. So just just know that. My number two is candy sticks. Okay. Explain. Which are exactly what they sound like. They come in these little rectangular boxes that usually, well, for Halloween they usually have like frankenstein dracula mummy on them and inside the little tiny box is two chalky sticks Mm -hmm. and they have a really like nice crunchy texture to them and they taste like nothing i don't know what they taste like they taste like they almost taste like the fun dip stick yeah they do 
They're just like a, they have a very chalky texture, but they're sugary. They're sweet. And they are incredible. I love it. You open the box, you crack one of those, you use them as little miniature. I used to use them as like cigars and act like I'm Marlon Brando whenever mm. I was a little kid. Stella. Yeah. Um, which that part, because remember, Halloween is for children. That part, the imagination, the cigar, <laughs> that cannot be underrated. No. It has to be there. Um, so candy sticks. If you know what I'm talking about, I'll post a picture of these online tomorrow after this episode airs so yeah. everybody can partake. And if you if you have not had these in your life, you need to run to your nearest probably Walmart and get them. Mm-hmm. They're delicious. I wonder, I wonder why they're not around all the time. I wonder if that's part of the novelty of it because year-round you can't really get that candy. Mm, novelty effect is fair. Mm-hmm. Like this is the one time of the year that you get that. It's kind of like my mom's breakfast casserole on Christmas. It's like, it's the one time of the year where you get that. Um, or like pumpkin pie, you know, it's like a seasonal treat. I think that that's definitely fair. Mm -hmm. Like there is definitely that thing. I think you for sure can buy candy sticks. I don't know that everybody carries them. Yeah. You have to go to like your local candy distributor. I don't know if other people have that. We have one in our town. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Middle America, everyone. Um, it's, it's like, like a warehouse. It's like Sweetums in yes. Parks and Rec. It's just this where this like uh, three three block warehouse where you just walk in, you get like a giant Sam's flatbed, and you can just buy whatever candy you want. It's pretty interesting. It's heavenly, and they go, "Come with me, and you'll be in a world of pure imagination." And you get a cup to drink from the chocolate f- uh, waterfall, and ding, 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 ding. and then you see a, a very overweight small child or go up a fall into a chocolate fountain and get sucked up oh wait that's willy wonka oh yeah uh getting those two confused but they're very similar whoops um but yes candy sticks (laughs) going going back to i think we were on candy sticks candy sticks you need to try them they're delicious my number two Mm -hmm. gotta go with peanut butter M&M's. I knew it. <laughs> I'm actually surprised this is not number one. Now I'm on the edge of my seat. Just get ready. I'm for scooting one. to the edge of my seat as we speak. M&M's diversified their portfolio several years ago, which was one of the most exciting times. We got crunchy M&M's. We mm. got peanut M&M's, of course. We got pretzel M&M's. I think there's almond M&M's. There are there are almonds. Yeah. There's probably like at least four more. Or is that Hershey's Kisses? Oh, I don't know. Okay, we'll have to look. I'll look it up. And then peanut butter M&Ms came along. And to me, peanut butter M&Ms are life. I can't. They're my new Snickers, honestly. Uh, I had some peanut butter M&Ms today. And I had them yesterday. And I think I also had them on uh, Friday or whatever day. Almond M&Ms do exist. I thought so. I thought I saw them. They're in a white packaging. Is that correct? Yeah, it's like an off-white. I know my M&Ms. I don't know my days of the week. As I just discovered. (laughs) You're like red peanut butter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Man, uh, when they created these and then when I saw they were fun size, game changer. Yeah, so I I didn't know they had fun size. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, of course they do because they know us. They know what we need. Yes, and I will 100% have to maybe give my son cash for these because uh, he loves them too. I get like the giant share size and then they're like a reward for my kids. Like, oh, you get like five of these Ooh. while I'm shoveling a whole handful into my mouth. Yeah, right. So number two, definitely that. Mm, yeah, it's a good pick. Um, I love any peanut butter snack. Reese's Pieces. Yes. Reese's anything. Anything with peanut butter. Or peanuts in general. Peanuts are just amazing. I, one of my honorable mentions, just a spoiler, Payday. 
I love paydays. I know that not everybody likes them, but remember, I can't eat chocolate, so I have limited options. I think paydays are sweet. They're salty. They're delicious. Mm-hmm. It's a good choice. Yeah. So anything involving peanuts or peanut butter, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, my number one, sweet tarts. All right. Yeah, and and sweet tarts come in many varieties these days. There's sweet tarts rope. There's sweet tarts uh, mini chewy sweet tarts. There's the the OG sweet tarts. There's the sweet tarts that look like a laffy taffy that are just like a like a I don't know a laffy. They're, they're like a taffy. taffy. They're t- they're taffy, but they're sweet and they're, they're sour laffy, and they're delicious. <laughs> yeah, there um there are many. There's the giant my Jackie's favorite. The giant chewy sweet tarts. Have you seen these? Yes. Yeah. They're very rare find. Mm-hmm. But they're they are delicious. They break your teeth right off. Um, <laughs> they taste so good. But that that's what I think I like about the sweet tarts is the versatility. It doesn't matter which form you consume it in. It's that same flavor. Different textures. All good. You're always going to love it. That's so true. Dude, and the, the sweet tart rope. Yes. So I, I'm going to say it. Superior to the nerd's rope. I agree. I agree, and the nerd and the nerds rope was at the top of the mountain for mm-hmm. a really long time, mm-hmm. and and the sweet tart rope is a new entrant into the game. Just when you thought they had invented every candy you could ever need, they're like sweet tart rope, and I was like, yes, <laughs> double take. <laughs> and then I tried it, and I was like, this is as magical as I thought it would would be. Indeed, it's so good. I also, the best thing that sweet tarts makes though, for real, is at um, Easter. They make the ducks and bunnies. Yeah. Holy smokes. Those are so good. If you haven't had those. They leave chalk all over your hands from sweet tart goodness. It's incredible. It's like a it's just like a, a trail of remembrance. Like look what you look where you've been. Yeah. And the journey that you went on and just, just sit there with that chalk in yeah, your and hands. Yeah, and then you then you take your tongue and you lick your hands <laughs> like a some sort of animal. The, you know, like with with like chips, you just you just the ends of your fingers, but no, mm-hmm. your entire hands. You're you licking just... your palms like some sort of freak, <laughs> but it, everybody understands. I, every year for Halloween, just last thing on sweet tarts. Mm-hmm. There's all these big Halloween variety pack candies to choose from for trick or treaters. I just walk into Target, grab the big giant sweet tarts one, and walk out. I'm like, everybody knows this is half for me and half for kids, and the kids that come to my house are going to be stoked. Yes. So yeah, that's 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 the only choice for me. My number one. It's going to be Reese's Cups. Oh. The big boys. Oh, the big ones. <laughs> the OG. So, this is the people in your neighborhood. They're who, doctors. They're yeah, lawyers. They're super rich. <laughs> There's all these myths about them, you know? Yes. They leave their light on for Halloween, but they're not opening the door. There's just a bucket on your porch, on the porch, with king-size candy bars in there. That's right. This That's the house I go to. I aspire to be that one day. Um, it's a power move it really is you're like i don't even i'm not even scared that you're gonna take all of them if you do kudos to you you're an entrepreneur yeah so when i moved i moved into my my childhood neighborhood that i grew up in so i still remember where those king size houses are if the same tenants are there so oh that's where we're going trick-or-treating that's this week it's gonna i've got we're gonna have the route laid out show me your ways kirk (laughs) i know the first house on our on our list and it's lead us to the king size candy bar promised land yes i feel like there should be an app for that like right so like who's giving out the king size candy bar either marked by the home or marked by the kids like hey man you got to go check out one two three Mm -hmm. 
big bend you know in my neighborhood we have we use the next door app you can sign your but it's just if you're saying you're giving out candy or not yeah so that people know whose houses to go to and whose houses to stay away from i want this to be like a ranking like this this is the dentist's house don't go here power ranking top houses in this neighborhood yes yeah i like that oh man i'm gonna invent that that's a good one that's a good one i mean the mini ones are so good. They're such good consistency. I hadn't I hadn't had a, a, a regular size Reese's cups uh, like bar. What do you call it? Reese's cup packaging. Yeah, I mean it's like a it's like a candy bar. Like you would buy it with the candy bars, but it's not a bar. It's not a bar. You got the two cups in there, and you know you're. It's always, of course, good luck if it's double wrapped. Yep. It was double wrapped for me the oh, other day, wow. so I'm feeling like I'm going to have a pretty good week. It's and a if- double rainbow, Kirk. <laughs> that's right. It immediately cancels out the double yellows that you got in the Starburst. Oh, that's true. It I didn't think about it. that. Maybe that's why I'm still having a good week. Yeah. 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 It overpowered it. So that's really lucky. Congratulations Thank on that. You. Thank you. Thank um, you. It's a good pick. So we that was a really fun top five. Let's go honorable mentions. I had Twizzlers. These are the little the Twizzlers that they put in the little two-pack you mm-hmm. know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. um and then dum-dums mm, dum-dums yes dum-dums are great mystery flavored dum-dum yes. is great um and then jolly rancher was the other one that i had love, very nice love the jolly rancher i had this one this one is um is a newer introduction into the candy world uh take fives because oh yeah sure that you know it's basically just chocolate pretzels and I think they're gonna t- they're gonna take Halloween by storm this year. They finally got them on on bite size, uh, fun size. Oh size. wow, wow. Yeah. I also when I was trying to break my Snickers addiction, I switched to Three Musketeers bars. There's a little place in my heart for Three Musketeers, just not top five status. And I'm glad you mentioned Dum Dums because I really love me a, a giant Tootsie Pop. Those are delicious. Mm. Yeah, that's a good call. You know, the Three Musketeers is much maligned. I think people kind of hate on that candy bar. Mm-hmm. Because they don't like the fluffy chocolate on the inside. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I've had a Three Musketeers before, and I thought it was delicious. They're good. They're good. Oh, and Kit Kats. Let's talk about Kit Kats. Yeah, you it's know, true. It's it's definitely up there. We could go on and on for days, but when you get just a taste of that Kit Kat, because they come in twos and they're the fun size, yep. then you have to eat like 30 of them to feel like you ate just a regular size one. Also Nestle Crunch. Oh, Nestle Crunch. Mm-hmm. But great texture. The rice consistency mm-hmm. in there. It's great. Well, I'm hungry, so mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go eat a 1,000 sweet tarts until I go into a sugar coma and die. <laughs> oh, no. So that's that's where I'm headed after this. Um, but that's our top five. I, I want to know all the Halloween candy top fives because we still have got a couple days till Halloween, and my son is 18 months old, and he's not going to be eating any candy. So it is oh, on. You are in such a good state. Yeah, man. It is on like Donkey Kong. So. I want to know which candies I should be keeping an eye out for, which ones I should direct his hand in the direction of so that we can make this happen. All right. Let's wrap this thing up. Announcements. We said it in the open. We said it a thousand times. If you want to see Star Wars with us, we would love to have you. You can find those tickets on facebook.com backslash popcorn for breakfast. It's on our page. It's on our Twitter page. You can find it pretty much anywhere, or you can send us an email at popcorn for breakfast podcast at gmail.com and we will gladly send you the link again those tickets are cheaper than you would get from the theater normally and and the tickets for the premiere night of star wars or they're selling out Mm -hmm. so this might be your if you missed your window this is your chance and you can do it in a nice private theater you won't have to worry about any like 
teenagers ruining your show or yes. anything like that. These will be all people who love movies, and it'll be an awesome, awesome time. Um, and that's it. That's all we got. This is episode 16 of Popcorn for Breakfast. Thanks again for listening. And a special thanks to Ryan Spriggs, who helps us produce this podcast, and to Ryan Spriggs and Brandon Aristed for awesome theme song. We will see you guys later. Talk to you then. This week's episode of drinking water on microphone. <laughs> I couldn't even get through it. <laughs> I couldn't even get through it. <laughs> <laughs> if I even tried, I'd just like, do a spit take right here. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> on this week's episode of Eating Lasagna on the Radio. <laughs> Dude, that's our next, that's our experimental artistic podcast. <laughs> this week on Eating Lasagna Podcast. <laughs> just some... Or if it's just eating in a microphone. We can do yeah. it every week. Welcome. <laughs> this week we're eating lasagna. And it's just... Like eight straight minutes. And then we say, thank you. <laughs> thank you. We'll see you next week. <laughs> where we'll be tasting lamb chops. You know? <laughs>